incredibly bright people for watching this podcast. Guess who this is? No. No. Yeah, it's Yakko Warner. Or could it be Pinky? Or it might even be Carl finishing my croissant. Or it might be Raphael with a hot butt marshmallow tuna fish and Doritos pizza. Or even Donatello trying to figure out how my Apple Watch works. The main thing we all have in common is that we are pretty smart, just like you, because we watch and listen to the Canned Air Podcast. And one more thing. Narf! and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, our guest, he and his wife have uh, Hot Snakes Media, which has produced some of the like, series like Deaf You, Pig Royalty, Amish Mafia, and the one that I've seen the most of, and I just enjoy the hell out of, Breaking Amish and then also mm-hmm. Returning Amish. We welcome uh, producer and writer Eric Evangelista to the show. Eric, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Very excited to talk with you. Uh, some of the shows you've put out, I'm just kind of anxious to get a behind the curtain peek at everything you do. But before we do all of that, we're going to be talking about just reality shows in general and the retro roundtable. A uh, lot of them out there. A lot of them out there. So Yeah, and a loose concept too. I don't think it's gotta be like reality, like big brother type per se. No. So okay, good, because there's mine aren't. Neither mine. Yeah, I mean pretty much any anything without a script right qualifies as a reality show or like unscripted TV. Right? Yeah, 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 I would say so. You could talk about wrestling. You could talk about WWF or WWE. You could talk about anything. And that, that could be an unscripted show, right? I mean, the history of, of this kind of content goes back to whatever. You could talk about game show. You could talk about yeah. card sharks. You could talk about anything, you know? Yeah, I never even thought about <laughs> wrestling as one. Yeah. But sure. yeah, that's reality podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could talk, I mean, like, 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 you know, you could talk about late night talk shows, anything that really isn't heavily scripted qualifies as unscripted TV, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think like when you grew up, like I grew up in the seventies and eighties watching all that stuff, that's kind of what, you know, spawned this kind of genre is, you know, wanting to do something different, you know, and, and, and things like wrestling people people sleep on that you know like that was in the 80s the hugest for people my age uh a huge form of inspirational entertainment with things like things like letterman wrestling all that stuff that was big in the 80s with people in their 40s and 50s now um is kind of uh, very inspirational, but all right, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'll, please I'll, don't. I'll, I know that's exactly the that. stuff yeah. we're going to be getting into, and I love every minute of it. I'm, I, we're, it sounds like we're about all the same yes. uh, age here, give mm-hmm. or take, uh, the way you're talking. But before we get into this conversation, we want to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And head over to our website, CandairPodcast.com, where you can get merch, uh, t shirts, what else, mugs, stickers. All kinds of... Uh, I don't even know what else is on there. My natural yeah. instinct wants to say junk with our logo on it, but it's not junk. It's, <laughs> no, good, it's, not, it's yeah. good quality stuff. It's good then quality our, junk. Our Patreon, where you can get digital junk. I mean shows <laughs> that, that the normies don't get. I'm kidding. It's They're really good. Uh, it is good content on there, and there's a lot of it. Yeah, so uh, 
five, ten dollars a month gets you access to all of it. So go check that out. What am I forgetting, guys? Uh, also, your boys are on the uh, Evergreen Podcast Network, so please feel free to go to evergreenpodcast.com. Check out all the awesome shows. Check us out. Mm-hmm. Um, just really looking forward to all the cool things with that. And if you're in the central Ohio area or not, if you like traveling, uh, September 25th, uh, we are going to be hosting the Tour Gaming Expo in the uh, Lewis Center area. So go to tourgevents.com and it's going to be it's going to be a blast. T-O-R-G. I think it'll be worth the drive. Go ahead. I interrupted your uh, plug there. T-O-R-G events. There yes. we go. There we go. I think it would be worth the drive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it will be. So, Anything else? I think we're good. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Grass tastes bad. All right. Reality shows, guys. Randy, why don't you kick us off? So uh, I was always... uh, Oh, let me start that over. So I grew up, my grandparents always went to auctions a bunch of times. So I always had kind of random crap floating around their house. And uh, pretty early on, I started watching Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to just see like some old lady like, oh, this is like some trinket I got at a flea market. And it's like, oh, well, that's a solid gold Buddha from the ninth century. And uh, I'd always used to like go rummaging through, you know, their barns and closets and find all this really random stuff and uh, just yeah thinking how cool it would be if it was you know something worth thousands but it never oh, was Dad, there's a barn spike <laughs> <laughs> and then all the stuff that you think uh that you or your family has that you think might be a hidden gem and it's just rusted crap exactly yeah. yep <laughs> but you th- think about all of the uh all the different levels that piece has to go through to make it on camera on antiques roadshow mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they're making damn sure this is going to be an entertaining piece to get appraised before right. someone brings in their grandpa's penny collection. And they're like, all right, get it out of here. Eric, why don't we move over to you? So the first reality show I ever saw was, so I grew up in Boston, and there's this independent UHF channel in Boston that, well, it's not independent anymore, but back in the 70s and 80s, it was, just, it was channel 38 on the UHF dial. And they had a show called We Don't Knock. Nobody even knows about the show. You can find it on YouTube. But the thing that's on, like, if you search We Don't Knock on YouTube, this one thing comes up and it's not that funny. But they did this show until they got sued and it got taken off the air. And it was exactly this kind of independent show. It was called We Don't Knock. And they would just go into places and it was what it sounded like. The host of the show would just barge into places and not knock and just go in and start talking to people and it was a great show and it was really funny and at the time you know you probably look at it now and you're like this isn't funny because it's you know but at the time in like the early 80s late 70s early 80s it was pretty wild you know it was pretty cool like none of this stuff ever really existed back then because you have to remember what existed back then what existed back then was like these pretty stiff uh you know network drama you know you had stuff like great shows like taxi and stuff like that that were awesome oh. but like yeah but like you've got like you know you've got some pretty predictable stuff on television all the time so a reality show or anything that was a little bit different like when letterman came out or anything that was just slightly askew you know there were all those like anything that was slightly askew was automatically a cult hit um whether it was fridays or Fernwood tonight or anything that was like at that time when you were a kid that you would just cling to 
So that was the first reality show I ever saw was this thing called We Don't Knock. And I must have been maybe 10 years old when I saw it. And I was like, wow, this is really, this really, you know, really made an impact on me. So, so when that, you say on that show that they would uh, barge in on people, are you talking like they barge in on like public places or they like bust, yeah. like just walking in people's homes or what, what were they doing? They only did, I think they only did like three or four episodes, maybe three. And I think they got sued and, and had <laughs> to stop doing the show. To come down. Yeah. Get the hell out of so my property. They would go, they went into the IRS one episode oh, in Boston. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they went into like pizza places and then college dorm rooms and stuff like that. Uh, uh, nightclubs, places like that and got kicked out. So yeah. And then they stopped doing the show. But it's a great concept. Yeah. I could have told him don't go into places with big bouncers. I mean, that's really <laughs> a big, uh, yeah, I that does sound it. interesting. I'm gonna have to look that up on YouTube. I thought he meant yeah. it was going in like people's houses. Cause I back too. then I don't think people really locked their doors quite as much as they do today. So they only made four easy. episodes cause they got shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool yeah. show though. It does sound cool. I am going to look that up on YouTube. That sounds interesting as hell. Oh, uh, Jack, you want to go next? One of my favorite ones that it's not on anymore but I don't think I missed an episode was face off. On oh, Sci-Fi, the, the, uh, the competition, oh, like makeup. makeup show. Yeah. yeah. I love that show. And there's always a lot of cool people on it. Like this special celebrity host there, not guests, but judges that would come on. Didn't we have somebody out. on from that show a long time ago? Yeah. I don't like remember. one of the contestants. I can't remember what his name was, but he was one of the contestants. Yeah, it was like early time. hundreds. I think it was like yeah. four or five years ago. I can't remember. Go ahead. Yeah, he didn't make it, but he gave us some insight on it too. Because what V Neal, the the woman, one woman judge, she was actually the the hard ass versus the other guy yeah. that you're always worried about him being a jerk, and he was just like, no, he's actually the nicest guy. He's the one that you want to watch out for. Like, do you think I never thought so? Like any of those panel shows anymore? Do you think it's like been typecast now that they have to have like a Simon Cow like lookalike or like impersonator on those? Because I've seen probably just to keep it different i guess just enough some hard ass that's got to sit there and uh, 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 but then someone else is like oh this is so great i love it just to make that conflict <laughs> do, you, do you like those shows i mean i feel like it's predictable right like someone oh, needs yeah. to come in and reinvent that kind of thing you know even if like there was a crazy subject matter for it like it was you know like face off came in and that like like you said, that's a cool concept, right? You've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. This yeah. competition show over something cool like that. But like, yeah, I feel like idiots come in. Like you have to understand, like when you do a TV show, it's not, it's not, it's controlled by people who don't understand the subject matter. They don't let people just do the show. I right, think that's right. why, like, like when you watch that AMC show that Kevin Smith does, like he clearly has control over that and he can kind of do what he wants. And that's why kind of maybe people like it, you know, but like you do something like face off and it's like, it's somebody at the, yeah, somebody at the network starts butting in and telling them what to do. And like, you know, like you said, like, Oh, we need our Simon. Cow. Who's going to be our Simon. Cow? You probably don't need that. You know, you kind of sometimes you just let the, so I think a lot of times people just don't get, People, people can't get out of their own way. I, I remember reading a story about American Idol when it came over from England. They had a meeting at Fox. Who's the guy who runs Fox? Oh, Rupert Murdoch. So Rupert Murdoch was in the room and there were all the American executives were talking about, oh, here's how we're going to change it. We're going to do this, 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 that, and the other thing. And Rupert Murdoch said, well, don't change anything. Just do exactly what they're doing over there. It works. Like everybody in TV, sometimes executives feel a need to just 
put their two cents in and screw things up, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that ruins a lot of shows. Like you would be surprised at how many shows just get ruined for no reason at all. And you always get blamed for it as a producer. And sometimes like I have a lot, I'm, I shouldn't say this, but I mean, I, I will. I mean, like I have a lot of shows that I've done. I've been doing this for 29 years. And like, I have a lot of shows that I've done that aren't very good, you know? And you're like, you, you, you want to say like, it's not my fault. Right. Sometimes like I, I didn't have any say in that, you know, like, <laughs> right. You know, like they made me do these things, you know, like, uh, so I, you know, it's very frustrating. You wouldn't believe how the anatomy of a bomb works right on a TV show. Like, and I think that would be a really interesting show unto itself. The anatomy of a bomb, like how a really bad show gets made, how a good right. idea goes you know, from being a good idea to a really bad idea. Right. We've had that discussion on the show a million times. You know, it's not just with TV, but uh, movies, really any medium of entertainment. You just see something out there that's so horrible, like even for, you know, the standard. And you think, how did this make it through this many levels of quality control and people's giving it the thumbs up? And I think it just comes down to exactly what you're saying right there. Everybody wants to get their two cents in. Uh, you know, either, I don't know if it's coming from a place of power or ego or maybe both, maybe neither. I don't know, but um, I know what you mean. I can see how that could, ha could happen pretty easily with, if you get too many, uh, if you got too many people wanting to uh, dip their finger in the project. Yeah. You say that it makes me think of the, uh, the Mario brothers movie. Um, I watched a, <laughs> well, I watched a documentary on that and like the original concept was actually pretty cool and a lot closer to the video game than what it came out to, but there were so many people, so many cooks in the kitchen producers and directors and every wanting their own say that um i think they went through like seven or eight script rewrites and it was just i mean yeah. we got what we got led but... to them drinking on stuff and stuff so <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it took crazy. me uh, it, it took me a long time in this business to figure out that people aren't as smart as you think they are uh, that you're dealing with you know and i yeah. tell that to young to the, to a lot of young people that i that i you know that i hire that i work with is you know one of the lessons that you learn is like you you the people you work with aren't as smart as you think they are you know you give yourself a lot more credit creatively you know when you're a young person then you then you uh then you wouldn't believe it's hard. This is a terrible thing to say, but you wouldn't believe how dumb a lot of people, executives in television are, and you wouldn't believe how how little television they watch, and how little how misinformed they are, how disinformed they are. You can go to Comedy Central, and the person there has no idea about the history of comedy. They have no right. idea about shows from the past. You know, you can yeah. go to History Channel and they know not the person you're pitching knows nothing about history. You know, they're, you like you'd be surprised. You'd be shocked. They're less about the like the experience of what they're producing and the passion. And they're just more focused on the status quo. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, it's more so you'd be shocked of how they got to where they are. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you'd be shocked if like, like, you know, a lot of these people who work at these jobs get to those jobs and rise up from answering people's phones, being an assistant. I got to where I am from watching television. That's it. You know, <laughs> watching TV. You know, it's I the best experience TV you can have. Yeah. And that's, you know, and working in TV, you know, dropping out of college and started to work in television, you yeah. know, um, you know, like working 
hands-on, working and working and working and watching an enormous amount of television. A lot of these other people, they, they don't do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you'd be surprised. And that's why a lot of television isn't very good. I can see why you would say that. I mean, there's a woman that works at the gas station who I'm wonder how sometimes she even got that damn job <laughs> because she just baffles me when I go in to get my coffee. But with the entertainment world, movies, television, from the outside looking in, I mean, there's this admiration and wonder. And uh, I guess it just comes in not understanding that world. You, yeah. you think that everyone... I guess in there is kind of exempt from the human condition. Everyone, everyone in there has their shit together and knows exactly what they're doing right. to be able to make a movie or a television show. But they're just people. Every, you know, we're all just people out there making our way the only way we know how. You know, <laughs> and some people, it's not a very friendly way or right. not yep. the best way. You know. All righty, I'll get off my soapbox. Let's see here. Uh, my pick will be. <laughs> I can't even, I don't even want to admit that I watched this, but there was a time a long time ago that Brooke and I got hooked into this show called Average Joe. Did you ever hear of it? Wasn't that like kind yeah. of a Bachelor ripoff? Yeah, very much so, I, I think. I mean, I've never seen that show, but essentially, I mean, with the Bachelor, Bachelorette, they bring in like a bunch of dudes or a bunch of girls and mm -hmm. they're all fighting for the affection of the one guy to get that one rose at the end, right? right? Mm -hmm. So this one was, again, called Average Joe. So they bring in... Uh, I can't remember how it works exactly. I don't know if it was one girl, if there were multiple girls at first, but instead of just a room of uh, just guys, there's like a half a room with like a bunch of surly hunks and then just a bunch of like chuds on the other side <laughs> of the room, you know what I mean? And they're all like fighting for the same girl. And I, you know, I think by the process of elimination, like I don't think like all the average Joes could get immediately voted out. I think every episode it was like, one of the chuds and one of the hunks both went you know what i mean yeah, yeah okay so when it came down to picking it had to be an average joe or the good the good one each guy. side right yeah and uh i tell you what the the average joe that made it to the end like for some reason left an impression on us his name was brian worth he was also from boston and uh this dude just i was rooting for him so hard the whole freaking time and when it came to the end she ended up picking the uh the muscly hunk you know of course but then like they did this like whole montage thing at the end i hope i'm remembering this right because I, I don't know what other show i would have seen this on so this has to be the show because i don't watch these kind of shows typically but it was talking about like their uh, after the show what they've been up to and when it went to her and this dude she picked i guess that he what was it he had left her because she at one point had some kind of relationship with Fabio. <laughs> what? Like he couldn't rake this shit up. And like, I was like, man, you should have went with Brian Worth from Boston. Jeez. You really should have. But man. He probably doesn't even know who Fabio is. Oh, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he, <laughs> he does. doesn't know who Fabio is. I'm sure Brian Worth's, uh, Probably doing pretty damn good. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go around one more time. Randy, what do you got? I've always been a fan of like the, the sketch comedy kind of stuff. And uh, I, I got into Impractical Jokers really fast. Mm, yeah. um, Cause I could see that being something like my buddies and I would do like, Oh, you know, daring each other to go yep. and do that. But uh, just some of the punishments on these guys are. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, the one that stands out is Merv. I think is the bald guy. Merv. Um, thank you. I, they made him sky or skydive one time. Um, 
and then another time i think sal married or Mer- merv married sal's sister like like legit as uh, as part of the uh the punishment and stuff like that but it's just putting themselves in these very very socially awkward situations mm-hmm. and just seeing oh, the reactions there was one that uh Mer had the punishment and they were in new york city and he had to walk around like it was outside some big building where there was like a smokers area okay and he had to at least walk up to like three or four different people and take the cigarette out of their mouth stomp on it and then walk away <laughs> let me tell you how awkward that made you feel watching. yeah oh that's what i loved about that show because the stuff that they made him do and they would do it they had to just do see it. that yeah. they just they didn't want to do it but had to and it was hilarious because it you ever do you ever watch you know what you'd like to this like another obscure show is called kenny versus spenny which is a canadian show you could get probably see that on youtube too it's these two guys from canada and they no, dare each other they do dare. you should check that out on youtube if you like impractical jokers which is an awesome show but um yeah. kenny versus spenny is awesome too that's from like the early 2000s and it's oh. really really funny awesome um, I'll check that out that sounds yeah. familiar yeah. and there's another great show out of england from around that same time called balls of steel and balls of steel is uh it's a british show in its talk show format and it's a prank show where they do these outrageous pranks and if you have well, everybody has, has youtube it's a stupid thing to say if you have youtube everybody <laughs> has YouTube. <laughs> it's stupid <laughs> yeah like uh, yeah dude if you have if you if you search balls of steel and that's a good example Dude, like A&E tried to do Balls of Steel. I think they brought it over to the United States and did it as a pilot. Like, you know, they changed it. Like, I don't know why you would change it. Like, when you see it, if you go on YouTube and, and look in Google, uh, Google or search Balls of Steel and watch it on YouTube, it's, it's so funny. It's from like 2006 or seven or something like that, or 2005 oh. sometime. Oh, it's awesome. It's just, if you like Impractical Jokers and that kind of stuff, it's awesome. I'll it's check really, it out. Really yeah, it does yeah, sound yeah, yeah. fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. I've got a lot of uh, YouTubing to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too bad I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Impractical Jokers, Misty would hate it when I watched it. She didn't find any of that stuff funny, but I guess it's just guys thing. No, I don't think but it's a guys thing. it's hilarious. Yeah. My, I got my mother hooked on it. She oh, really? Oh, loves it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, she's an only child, too. So I think that because those guys are all super best friends. So it's like Dude. that brother type yeah. thing, too. So I think you that said she doesn't find Seinfeld funny. So well, that's enough true. said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else you need to know? Yeah. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, how about uh, how about American Pickers? You guys know that one? Yeah, I know that show. Yeah. Frankie and... Uh, Lanky, what was the other dude's name? The tall guy with the blonde hair. I can't remember. Oh, geez. Blonde hair. I just no. know the two guys. There's... But do you guys actually watch it or are you just throwing stuff out there? No, no I, I, I used to watch the, the hell yeah, out of yeah. it. I used to, I Did watched you? it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Before they even like had that, they, because like in later seasons, they start incorporating like their shop that Danielle would stay behind and run. And then they started in later seasons, they were doing like split off versions where like I think Danielle was actually going out with them to. Uh, oh, I never saw her going out <clears throat> with anyone. It was in later seasons. Ah. But um, I always enjoyed that show. Damn, I wish I could remember his freaking name. But uh, one thing that used to wear on me was like almost every episode, the second he would find metal cans. He'd just go ape shit. <laughs> Frankie's going to love these cans. So even to this day, when I see an old can of any kind, I I have to think of Frankie. 
I'm, I'm having, I don't know if it was a fever dream or not, but didn't they do like a big crossover between them, the Pawn Star guys and like the, the counting car guys that fixed it up or something? Wasn't there like a big like... That's, yeah, you're right. The American Pickers found an old car. They took it to, uh, was that, uh, was it the restoration place that got a show? Like I think it was Counting Cars is the name. Counting of it, Cars. Think. And then they tried to sell it to the pawn. People. I think it was for like the dad of the pawn shop. Wasn't oh, it? you're right. Like a birthday present It was or the old man's Cadillac or something like that. But I just remember it was like a, a big three season or three episode crossover on the History Channel or whatever. <laughs> Must have been sweeps. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> been sweeps. <laughs> uh, did you watch it, Eric? No, I mean I, I'm not into that kind of stuff. That those kinds of shows, but I mean they're popular. That's for sure. I wish I was producing those because they've been on forever. And yeah. um, but I don't know. Not really my boat, my my thing. But you know, um, I do more weird shows. You know. Uh, sure that's my my bag is kind of like <laughs> weird weird hard to do shows like bizarro shows yeah i get it i get it break the break the mold yeah and i cannot wait to talk to you about that here in a little bit about that the only thing i didn't like about the pickers show is that like their narrative when they'd be like we're gonna go over to this place and i hope we find a lot of good stuff yeah and it's always so over energetic and i don't know it's and like that's kind of script that's, that's the only why part I, that i didn't like about oh it. well you know the back that shit they say you know uh before a montage of them driving to their next yeah. site i'm sure is scripted or just you know lines they have hanging in their ass that they're just pulling out there like we do at the, at the end of the show well, like that twitter roll really. like they did at the beginning <laughs> was muscle memory. i don't even know what the fuck i said but um blank out all of a sudden <laughs> just come back at the end are we done <laughs> Hello, but uh you just i know what you mean though they say the same kind of things over and over and it's, it's okay if you're like watching it like here and there watching an episode a week or something but when they would do like the pickers marathon and like two hours hours in you're like all right how many fucking cans can frank really get excited about i mean really start realizing what the hell's going on (laughs) i mean there's probably got to be some amount of like tv like producing and kind of i don't know like some type of quality control with that because i mean you could go out and spend three days and not get anything yeah Uh, well that's just it i'm sure again there's like appraisers going out there to make sure you you got some shit to sell before these guys drive all the way over here yeah (laughs) i heard they they did something with you guys remember storage wars i know the show but i never watched it yeah i I think they got in trouble if i remember right it could have just been something randomized on the internet but they were like going through and like pre-screening all the lockers and like oh you need to bid on this one or something like that i could be setting it up Making it so the episode's actually interesting. Storage, be good TV. storage wars is where I drew the line. I was like, all right, I'll watch these dudes fucking barns and shit, but I'm not doing that. I'm gonna find myself trying to find storage places and forget nothing. Right, I've got a, three pillows sitting here. <laughs> all right, any other picks, guys? Before we move on, did you have sit. any more, Eric? Uh, no, I mean, you know, look, I love Tiger King. I love Tiny World. Did you ever watch Tiny World on Apple TV? The one about, Tiny like, World. the animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Are you into, like, wildlife shows? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love Tiger King. Um, <laughs> I don't know if well, that qualifies well, that, as a wildlife show. Yeah, it's not a wildlife <laughs> show. No, but I mean, Tiny World, Tiny World is on Apple TV. Tiny World is, like, this incredibly shot. It's narrated by Paul Rudd, and it's, um, if you have Apple TV... It there's uh and it, it focuses on like 
you know, one episode is just on like squirrels and those types oh, of animals, and other ones on yeah. dude. It's like, dude, it's really awesome. And like, that sounds I cool. You sold me it, Paul yeah. Rudd. <laughs> you yeah, say Paul Rudd, like the, he's like the David Attenborough of the experience, like the narrator it, and stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. It's super awesome. You can watch it with like I have a six year old daughter who, who loves it. Like you, you it, it's really really cool. The way it's shot is incredible. Perfect. Um, I highly recommend that. Okay, I'll have to check I'll that have to out. Check that mm-hmm. out. I love stuff like that. Yeah, love it. And you know, like I, I love uh, Planet Earth too. When all those came out, I had well, to that have Blue Planet and Blue Planet was good. But like, soon as the like wave of those things were like, as soon as they were like getting really popular, it just seems like they just start chunking them yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess I haven't seen one that um, hasn't been. I haven't seen one that's really bad. I guess, but um, there was just something magical about that. Those first ones that came out. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah, but then there I was think... also something magical about Nova back in the day yeah. <laughs> on PBS. Yeah. I, I feel I started to feel like that with those types of shows. And then when I saw Tiny World, I feel I felt like, oh, okay, they kind of re- someone at least made an effort to kind of mm. reinvent that. And it's okay, a, yeah. it's refreshing. You you'll dig it. If you watch it, you'll be like, oh, okay, cool. I'm, I'm excited. I will check it out tonight. I have got a lot of homework to do. <laughs> yes, we do. Good homework though. Good you know homework. those nature shows I hate is they don't show the kills anymore. They don't? No. I, it's been a long yeah, time like, since I've seen it. Yeah, I'm I'm I I agree with that though. I don't like watching the kills. You like watching the kills? I think they might be like a little bit. I think that's a sign of like someone who's psychotic. Like, do you, <laughs> why do you like watching the kills? Like, what do you? What is it that you're missing? Just the, just the act of it. I mean, I don't like sitting there watching the animals getting torn apart or when no. they're all sitting there feasting <laughs> and bloody all over the place. But at least the takedown sometimes. Right. I don't I'm know. I'm not. Was biting his lip. All right, tear the skin. Tear it. Because <laughs> you know what I think? Because I think it's like, you know, I think it's like a little bit of the American Pickers thing. I think there's like the producer's hand in that too, a little bit. So I get a little upset about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, I think they're kind of throwing the, um, the co- you know, the snake at the mongoose a little. You know, I mean, I think they're kind of yeah. like making it all happen a little bit. I think the, <laughs> the producer's hand in that. Phenomenon. <laughs> oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, I kind of like, you know, I'm not cool with that. But, you know, I don't mind if it happens naturally, but I don't know if there's a cameraman out there waiting, you know, eight hours for that to happen. I don't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of these people are really in some convenient fucking spots now that you think about Mm -hmm. it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to rethink that, I guess. (laughs) Cameraman there with the laser pointer luring the cheetah over. Yeah. (laughs) You have to get your lust for gore somewhere else. Sorry. Jeez. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Eric. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access. All right, and we are back from commercial and uh, very happy to have you, Eric, here with us again, man. Very excited to talk about some of these shows and just your career. 14 years you spent as a news producer before you got into uh, producing and um, writing excuse me, these series and stuff. Can you tell us, you know, how'd you get your start? What were your initial interests in uh, being a producer, period? 
Well, I started in in um, in Boston. Growing up in Boston, there were there wasn't really a way to work in television. So, you know, there was no entertainment business. It's not like growing up in L.A. or New York at the time, you know. So, I grew up in Boston, and, and my parents are from another country. So, you know, I didn't know anybody, and didn't have any way into anything. So, I went to Boston University, and got an internship through there at the Boston Herald, which is a, a newspaper, and started working at the Boston Herald as a copy boy, which is like a low level, you know, whatever. Right. And uh, started, uh, became, you know, start answering phones and at the newspaper, you know, the newspaper. And that to me was like show business, right? Because like, I was just this kid from this lousy middle, lower middle class town, and uh, you know, outside of Boston. and. And like, you know, hustling and work my way up to get a byline and, you know, in the newspaper and started right. doing stories and then got a job as an intern at the local news channel and worked my way up to be an executive producer there and just hustling and working every day. And then won a couple of local Emmys there. And, um, nice. and then in 1999, moved to New York City, got a job at ABC News and uh, worked there for like four or five years in Manhattan and then the reality TV boom hit. You know, I moved to New York to kind of like try and become a writer. I got a job at the WWF. It's called WWE now. Oh, no way. Back then it was called WWF. Yeah, dude, I lasted like a week. So, <laughs> yeah, I lasted a week, which for me, like to get that job was like a dream job. It was like, cause you have to understand like as a kid, Growing up in the 80s. Sure, Hulk Hogan and... Oh, shit. oh yeah. Well, I always liked the bad guy. Iron I Sheik. always like, oh, I love Mr. Fuji and Iron Sheik. <laughs> and I, I liked all the bad guys because like it was much harder to be a bad guy. And there was much more art and much more, um, you know, humor to being a bad guy. It's easy right, to be right. a good guy. Anyway, so I always loved the bad guys. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So to, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I went to, you know, got a job uh, as a writer and producer there and went to Vince McMahon's house and started working. Oh, and wow. it was just like this, yeah, it was like this crazy schedule of working every single day. And I just couldn't, it was just wasn't for me. And they were like really nice people, the um, Vince McMahon and his daughter and everybody, they were really nice people. It just, it just wasn't for me. It was like a little bit of a crazy atmosphere uh that you know and i just couldn't fit in right away now was um, that was that time period refresh my memory was that like during the monday night wars where they were going wcw yeah. okay i'll tell you so exactly it, when it was it so was, it was um, crazy the year it was the year 2000 and it was uh the week i was there was election week bush versus gore oh, so oh shit yeah i remember everything about it so it was crazy it was crazy uh, and there was you worked every single day and i was like this in the it was a very competitive atmosphere in the writer's room and mm -hmm. it was just it just wasn't for me and it just wasn't my kind of bag but i did learn a lot from the way vince mcmahon kind of treated the other producers and writers there he was very nice and very encouraging because there were a lot of bad ideas going around and he was he would never like destroy someone's confidence he was always very upbeat about it and he was always like he would always encourage everybody he would never destroy someone's confidence gotcha and i always i always remembered that and i always kind of 
from that one week I was there, it was a very important lesson to learn uh, throughout the rest of my career. Now that I run my own business and I deal with a lot of young people and a lot of creatives, it was a very important lesson to learn. Anyway. It's like so, having your own uh, celebrity and impact in check. Like, you know, if I tell this guy, you know, in the, any wrong way that I think what he wrote is shit, it could make a huge impact mm -hmm. break his spirit you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's very very responsible <clears throat> yeah it's true because you if once you kill someone once you kill someone's creativity kill their confidence they're gone for quite some time mm -hmm. it takes them quite some time to come back creatively um and you only learn that skill through years of experience so uh anyway it was a very important lesson for me to learn so after that um i, I went back to abc news <laughs> which was a weird transition, but um, then started creating um, television pilots and television shows. That's when the reality TV boom hit. And uh, went, on, went in that route for about six years, creating television shows and partnering with other production companies. And eventually I got tired of doing that because when you create shows with another company, they generally take your idea and, and change them. Gotcha. Um, they changed the i had an i remember one time i had an idea for a television show it was a pilot that i had a, an idea for called telethon and this idea was a game show which was an old-fashioned telethon because i grew up watching telethons you know like the jerry lewis telethon oh, yeah but not just the jerry lewis telethon do you remember like the real shitty telethons like the, <laughs> like the you know like the like the B and C level telethons. Like, think about the Jerry Lewis telethon. That was always like kind of lousy, but like they were yeah, even like weird. They were weirder, more obscure ones too. Like there were local telethons that would happen. So this was kind of like that. It was a show that was an homage to telethons, and there were three contestants, and each contestant didn't have a disease, but they had like an an everyday American problem, right? Like someone needed laser eye surgery, someone crashed their dad's car. You know, they were asking for America's help and, you know, they were competing, you know, to, to win a prize. So anyway, this was like 2005 and I wanted David Lee Roth to host the show. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> it was great because he could sing, he could dance. It was like either David Lee Roth or Billy Idol were the two people I wanted to host the show because they could sing, they could dance, they were kind of funny and they were kind of, at the time, kitschy and retro right sure so the production company and the network chose wink martindale i don't know if you remember who that is but and i'm like this doesn't work no. at all wink martindale is an old game show host who's which, like, which uh, game show did he host wink martindale hosted um dude i don't even know wink martindale <laughs> i mean wink Mart. you don't know who wink martindale is wink martindale's like a famous game show host let me see i mean i'm sure if you would the google name sounds would familiar yeah, he's so. How old are you guys? Aren't you like my age? I'm 38. 45. Jack's 45. I'm the young buck. Yeah, I'm 33. Yeah, no, I'm 49. Right. What the fuck am I talking Wink, about? Wink Martindale's so old that you're too young to know who Wink Martindale is. That's how. It's <laughs> a bad of a decision. This one. Love that feeling. Doesn't happen too often. <laughs> Bumper yeah. stumpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boggle. Oh yeah. The real pursuit. Tic tac oh, yeah. doe. Here's how old Wink Martindale. I remember tic tac doe. He needed. He needed cue cards. Like he couldn't even read a teleprompter. He had to have. <laughs> oh man! So, so I was like, a, so I got to. See, I was like, I have to just start my own show. I mean, my own my own company. Mm -hmm. So uh, that from that point on, I started my own company, and my first show was a show called 
Operation Osman, which was a weight loss show with a Cuban trainer who was clinically insane, who lived in a, he lived in an insane asylum in Miami. And I would check him out of an insane asylum and have him train people to lose weight. Um, and it, it went really well. And that went on for a couple of seasons for a small network uh, called Nuvo TV, which later became Fuse TV. And then okay. I had my first hit show called Breaking Amish, which oh, aired that. on TLC. And actually, I'm in Florida filming the 11th season of now. So that's like a big worldwide hit show. And then I had a show called Amish Mafia, which became another huge ratings hit. And then from there on, we've had a slew of hit shows, including Deaf You, which we just won a Critics' Choice Award for last night, uh, which is now on Netflix. You can watch that on Netflix um, anytime. And um, <clears throat> Big Royalty, which is on Discovery Plus, which is another ratings record for them. Uh, big hit show. Um, and I do Shark Week every year. Nice. Um, I do a lot of wildlife shows, uh, a show called Extinct or Alive, which is on Discovery Plus, you can see. Um, yeah, I do a lot of really fun shows. And I wake up every day and think of shows and pitch those shows and produce them. It's like a dream job, um, but it took a long time, you know, and a lot of, you know, like I started in this business in 1990 and I didn't really make any serious money until 2012. So right. that's 20, 22 years. Paid of, your dues. I'm more sorry. so than a lot of people. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, you're talking about, you know, $5 an hour job <clears throat> for, for quite some time, you know, like yeah. not making a lot of money for quite some time. So, right. but anyway, it's, it's great. Like I can wake up in the morning and, like I'm looking at a list of shows that I'm pitching and like ideas that I have. And it's, it's like a lot of fun, man. It's like a great, it's a great job. I'm going to hop in there because <clears throat> I, I do have a question about your creative process and kind of how you come up with all these kind of unique shows and new unique concepts for, uh, you know, like the, the Amish mafia, the breaking Amish, uh, the pig royalty, just some of those that, you know, I, I, how do you come up with those? I just uh, look for stuff that's weird indifferent a lot of stuff comes from like when you're a kid and what you think is interesting like i tell people you can't really teach like somebody how to come up with fun ideas there's no real mm -hmm. way to do it either you either can think of it or you can't you know sure um but i always think of it as like what's on my son's pajamas you know like okay. what's on your kid's pajamas it's like robots monkeys you know like what what is on your kid's pajamas like what is it that, like, when you're a kid that you're fascinated with you know, okay. like pig, pigs, Amish people. Um, like, what is it that you like? Like, I did a show about nuns once that was really, really great. And it was about young women who wanted to become nuns. And these were girls, young women who were like in their early 20s. And I was like thinking, like, if you were at a party with all of these celebrities, right? Like, say you were at a party with all of your, the people who interest you the most, whether sure. it's people in the comic book world or actors in movies or whomever, right? right? Like all these people who interest you. But then there was this one like kind of attractive girl and like the next day she was moving into a convent to become a nun. Like she would immediately become the most interesting person there. You'd be like, why are you doing this? Right, right, insane. right. Like in this day and age, like she's interesting. You know, that's interesting. So finding interesting people and interesting stories, do people still do this? 
So like I was in Utah and I don't know if you've been to the Super you said you guys live in like where do you, do you live in Ohio? Yeah, yeah Central right. Ohio. Yeah. Have you been to the Jello aisle? Like, have you been to, when you're at the supermarket in the Jello aisle where you live? Like, you've seen all the flavors of Jello. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's not that many flavors. No. No. But if you go, if you go to Utah, like Salt Lake City, like I was in Salt Lake City at Target in the Jello aisle, it's massive. Really? There's like, oh, dude, there's two aisles of Jello. No, oh God, there is a heaven. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, why? So that's one thing I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to do a show about these, you know, weird Utah people with their Jello. Like, this is, there's going to be like, why are they, you know, why are they, why are they doing that? You know, I'm doing another show about the um, Jigsaw Puzzle Championships. Like, there's um, all these um, young women who are like 30 and under who are the best jigsaw puzzle players in the world. And they're good looking. It's really weird, right? You're like, yeah, like, you're like, uh, and they can do like a 500 piece puzzle in like 42 minutes. Wow. Um, yeah. And and you would think like, who would you normally think would be able to do a jigsaw puzzle that fast? You would think, oh, it's some nerdy dude. And he's like thick glasses. And he goes, no, it's like, it's like these really good looking women and they're all under 30 and they're single and they're obsessed with puzzles and they're and some of them are in Russia and they're um they're obsessed with making puzzles and they live in Siberia and they play professional puzzle they play for professional puzzle teams and they grow up learning how to play puzzles in school they it's like a class taught in school um and their biggest rivals are the United States and it's like the 1980s Soviet versus um, <laughs> USA hockey team. So I'm like, this is amazing. So you know, I really do a lot of research on, on that kind of thing, and and that's another show that I've you know that I'm developing. So it's like a lot of fun, you know, just like doing this. It's like being a magazine writer, kind that's of, awesome. right? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun, man. So like, it's like a dream job, but but there's a lot of failure in it too, because sometimes people don't like these shows. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm not buying a Jello show. You know, I'm not going to give you like, <laughs> are you out of your mind? Yeah, it's like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm not going to give you money for that, you know. Um, but other times people do like it, like the pig show. Right. Some people were like, or the deaf show, uh, the deaf, deaf you. Mm-hmm. The deaf you was a show that I did all in sign language. And there's a school in Washington, D.C. It's predominantly deaf. Uh, I wanted to do a show, a regular reality show, just like you'd see on the real world or whatever, mm-hmm. about young adults, uh, young adults going to college and the problems that they have, you know, growing up and about to enter adulthood, you know, getting jobs or whatever, and their dating lives and all that stuff. But I wanted to do it at this predominantly deaf university. And I wanted to do it all in sign language. And I hired 50% of my crew was deaf and, you know, the, the producers. Okay. And... Um, I wanted to do it different, you know, and I wanted to, and you wouldn't believe the pushback I got, like the judgment I got from networks. You know, people said like, we don't want to hear it. We know. Oh yeah. They were like, we don't want to hear the show. You want to want to hear your pitch. We already do a show like that. It didn't do well. Like they don't even want to hear that. You just like, I don't want to like, they don't want to hear, they don't want to see, they don't want the pitch because they automatically say, they automatically think that you're pitching a show about being deaf. Okay. I'm like, no, I'm just pitching a show about college life. It just happens to be at this school and I want it to be cool and different. And that's what makes I want to give yeah. Some, that's what, yeah, I just want to show a different side of stuff. 
So the only three places that would hear the pitch were Snapchat, which is a weird place to do a show. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and uh, probably not actually, I'm just too old to realize that I think, but <laughs> you know, but um, Freeform and, okay. and Netflix. And to me, and Netflix was so excited to do it. They were like, you know, they were like, oh, we can't wait. You know, we're waiting for this pitch. We, uh, so they did it and it went really, really well. And last night we won a Critics' Choice Award for it. It's a really oh, good nice. show. It's on, it's, it's on, yeah, it's on Netflix. You can watch it now uh, on Netflix. It's called Deaf You and it's really, really good. And it's like eight episodes. And the cool thing about doing a show on Netflix is they let you do... Like some of the episodes are like 15 minutes long. Some of them are 25 minutes long. Some of them are 30 minutes long. Some of them, you know, they let you do whatever you need to tell the story. Gotcha. Like you're not locked into, like on old fashioned cable, you have to do 22 minutes or you have to do 42 minutes and you need like, you have to do like a act out tease at the end of act one or cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. You, have to do, you know what I mean? You have to do this old fashioned way of telling the story. Right, right. You're, you have more creative freedom on these streaming platforms. Yeah, you can just tell a story the way you tell a story, right? Right. So, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of lost. <laughs> I love the stories you're telling, though, man. It's just, especially, again, with the Amish uh, shows, I've seen breaking uh, Amish probably more than uh, any of the other ones. But, uh, you know, and again, with like pig royalty, and even now you're saying deaf you, you know, we're getting a look into somebody's world in all of these. And with breaking Amish, you know, we're learning about their world as uh, we're watching them experience what it's like to walk into ours. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I don't know, I just see like a common theme amongst the things I've seen, you know, just showing the all the different worlds that lie over top of each other within the one we all share, you know? Even that puzzle one, you never know anything yeah. like that yeah. was going on. Who, yeah, who would ever That know? sounds interesting as shit, I'm not gonna lie. Like, well, the, like, even like the like when I was looking at the trailer for like pig royalty and stuff, like you think of like hog show, hog competition and stuff. You know, we have those around here, oh, certainly. For sure, yeah. But holy shit, when you see how seriously they <laughs> take it, into it oh, yeah, the yeah. politics behind it, and like the back and forth, like the drama that ensues as a result, like it's some serious shit mm -hmm. that you know yeah. down there. So it's just an interesting world and or look into a world that I would no way ever stumble upon on my own accord. You right. Know? Mm -hmm. People take everything serious. Like if you think about it, like when you grow up, how serious, like when I was a little kid, my uncle used to collect baseball cards with me, right? Like mm -hmm. if people, when you go to a baseball card show or you go to a comic book show or you go to whatever kind of show you go to when you're a kid um, or now, think how serious people take that, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. Like, so why wouldn't people take these livestock shows serious? There's like $30,000 on the line. Like, right. why wouldn't they go bananas over that? Why wouldn't people take a jello competition? Like, why wouldn't they? Right. You don't mm -hmm. think these these crazy ladies from Utah are going to take that shit serious? Of course they yeah. are. You don't think the puzzle, world championships of puzzles in Spain in September is going to be a massive competitive thing? You don't think those Russian ladies are going to cheat? Bullshit. I guarantee you they're going to cheat. <laughs> Don't you think they're going to cheat? Someone's cheating. Right. I bet you someone's going to cheat. Someone's taking Adderall, right? <laughs> I bet you they are. <laughs> Don't you think? It's just, like, it's got to be, yeah. It, it's so and aren't cool. You gonna, 
aren't you going to root for who are you going to root for like i bet you're going to root for the united states right or if i'm a good producer i'm going to get you to like those russian ladies because maybe they're yeah. kind of nice yeah who knows man like maybe we can all relate maybe it's the end of rocky four it's it's so awesome that you're going out and finding these passionate projects that other people like wrap themselves up in and then bringing them back to us for basically for us to learn something we never would have thought of yeah okay, oh, cool thanks man i hope i sell the puzzle thing i wish you guys were the executives i wish you guys were buying <laughs> hey if we were man you sold me dude yeah. <laughs> So what I know you're currently in Florida uh, shooting for returning Amish. What what else is uh, down the pipeline for you guys at uh, Hot Snakes Media? We have two shows airing on Shark Week, which is coming up in July uh, on Discovery. We have two episodes of Shark Week. And then, um, yeah, we have a lot of, I mean, uh, more pig royalty and more return to Amish. Another wildlife show called Ground Truth that we're doing. Uh, which is more like wildlife mysteries, that kind of thing. Um, oh, wow, that sounds just cool. a whole, yeah, a whole lot of fun stuff. That's exciting. Then, do you have like a? Uh, I know on your, you have a website, you know, hotsnakesmedia.com, where you can check out all the different uh, projects you guys have put out. Is there like anywhere we can go? There's like a centralized schedule for all this. Like, do you guys make this information available, like on your Facebook or social media? Uh, well, I have a Twitter and then I do, um, my website's getting redone. So if you go to my website, it's all kind of older shows, gotcha. but I'm redoing my website soon, but yeah. All right, man. Well, we'll still, uh, put that, uh, link on there just so people can check it out. Uh, especially, you know, when you get it all caught up and, you know, links to your social media, any, any other places that uh, people should be pointed to check, uh, your guys' work out? Uh, no, I mean, a lot of my stuff, that, yeah, it, Watch Other Def than U just turning the TV on, I guess. Yeah. I mean. yeah. <laughs> the best, you know, the best place to watch Def U on Netflix and uh, Breaking Amish, Return to Amish, Amish Mafia, that's all on Discovery Plus, Pig Royalty, that's on Discovery Plus. Um, and you can, you know, you can check all that out. If you have Verizon, I think Discovery Plus is free. So um, wow. check it out. It sounds like you're going to be signing people's paychecks at Discovery Plus yeah. pretty soon here with as many shows you got going. That's awesome, man. Congratulations to you uh, on all your success. It's really amazing, and uh, we love your work that we've seen. It, it all looks really cool, man. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the show with us. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoy your, your podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Thanks so much, man. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can listen to the show, buy some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos, and send us an email and promote your work. We'll get you on the show and spread that word. Oh, there it is. And once again, find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And on that fancy little website Jack was just talking about, the Patreon link. We have uh, the Candare Patreon pod, which over 40 episodes there. So that's a whole catalog you can get in on for $5. And it's a $10 tier. You get all that, plus our special projects, which we have two episodes of the Candare Radio Theater, which is like radio <laughs> dramatizations. We have the Canned Classics coming out, which oh, are yes. some of our first episodes. What the hell else is on there? A few episodes of the Comic Vault and... We've got the the big one coming out uh, yeah, for the ten dollars tier. Yeah. Infamous yeah. episode. We call it the traumatic episode. The episode <laughs> where shit went wrong with uh, with well, somebody we uh, used to respect. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be announcing that as that's released. But uh, things to keep an eye on. Anything else, gentlemen? Again, if you're in the Central Ohio area, September 25th, come check us out at Torgs. It's going to be a blast. That it will, Randy. Certified blast by Randy Hardenbrook. Okay. Well, you guys are going to be there too. I hope. <laughs> okay. 
All right, that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. I'm Eric Evangelista. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. Wait, come back. The ice could break. Whoops. Help. Quickly walk back to the edge. Stop. You'll break through the ice. Snow job. Grab this branch. You should have been listening to canned air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snow job, how'd you get your name? Um. G.I. Joe. I mean, I, I, maybe I would be surprised. Put your phones down, y'all. <laughs> this has been a Canned Air production. Science! 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.